Greetings everyone, welcome to episode 1 of the Brain Unwired's mini monologue series. This is slightly different to our usual podcast. Each month we'll bring a new topic with new stories from me, Hadisa, and my two co-hosts, Chioma and Lucy. We'll also have guest storytellers come on and allow us the opportunity to take a peek into their world. I love writing as a medium to think, to reflect, to express creativity and as a form of therapy. Sharing stories is never time wasted. I hope you enjoy listening to us. Be kind as we peel back some layers and display some vulnerability. We're taking submissions, so if you want to tell your story, which I know you do, send us a DM on our Instagram, at The Brain Unwired. The theme for February is connection. I hope you enjoy episode one, Who Am I? I can't think of a time I wasn't aware of my cultural identity. I've always known I was mixed. My maternal grandfather emigrated from Pakistan in the 60s and worked as a bus conductor. He later married my grandma and brought her over here. My mum and her five siblings were born here in the UK. My father immigrated to the UK from Nigeria in the late 80s. Ever since I can remember, I was half this and half that. Whenever anyone asked me that dreaded question, where are you from? I quickly learnt that they weren't interested in where I was actually from, which was London. So I had a pre-rehearsed answer explaining exactly where my parents were from that was recycled over and over again and ready again for the next person who just needed to know exactly how this racially ambiguous kid had come into being. I don't mind this question so much anymore. To be honest, I actually quite like it. Maybe I just become used to it. I don't know. My mum and dad divorced when I was still quite young, and I didn't have contact with my dad until much later in life, when I'd reached adulthood. So I grew up in a very multicultural London with a largely Pakistani-British cultural bias. I was lucky enough to be raised by the village. More and more of a rarity it is these days, as we become accustomed to the European nuclear family units. My brother and I were everyone's kids. My grandma played a huge role in raising me and through her stories of home, her early experiences here, her cooking, her language and love of Sufi Kowali music, I learned a lot about my Pakistani heritage. On the flip side, I never felt Nigerian growing up. What little memories I had of my father were tainted by the aftermath of a bitter divorce that left me angry. For a long time, I wanted to erase any sense of Nigerian I had attached to me, from my Igbo name, Adoha Omezi, to my curly kinky hair and my darker complexion. After a while, the anger became indifference. I didn't care enough to acknowledge my father or my African heritage. It was effortful and what exactly was the point? I wanted to be more like the family I knew and less like the ones who I felt had abandoned and I didn't know. But when I was outside the house, I was also embarrassed of my Pakistani culture that I enjoyed so much. Having a name that the teachers could never pronounce wasn't cool and 
Bringing alotiki sandwiches on a school trip that would permeate through the whole coach was never fun. Why couldn't they just be regular sandwiches wrapped in foil like everyone else? I thought to myself. Side note, they tasted amazing. And I absolutely hate sandwiches to this day. Cheese sandwiches. They're just so dry. Like many of us, I idealised whiteness. I wanted to have the long flowy hair. Blonde or even mousy brown. Not the bushy knotted mess that was pulled and tamed into plaits with wispy bits flying off in all directions. I guess now though, they'd be called edges. What I was experiencing was a classic case of what William Cross Jr. termed the pre-encounter. Hmm. Maybe there is a pattern to this madness. I don't know if it was through reading a copy of Things Fall Apart or my first visit to the continent or maybe it was a realisation of the shared struggle that both my maternal and paternal ancestors endured at the hands of British colonialism. But I began to appreciate the beauty of being both black and brown from two very similar yet uniquely different parts of the world filled with such cultural and historical richness. Visiting West Africa was proof that foreign places, customs, languages, norms aren't always unfamiliar. It sounds cliche, but visiting Ghana was a homecoming. My soul had returned to something, someplace familiar. You ever meet someone and just feel like you've known them forever, even though you both know you've never met before? Yeah, I felt like that. Unexplainable. At times, I have even questioned if I was allowed to claim my Nigerian heritage. Was I permitted to be a part of the Nigerian diaspora, navigating what it was, what it is to be black and British in the 21st century? Did I have the right to call myself Igbo? In recent years, I even resented my father for stripping me of half of my identity, leaving me to work it out on my own. But there's a reason, a divine reason, why life has played out the way it has and I don't feel bad about it and I don't blame my father either. To understand my heritage, I had to choose it and in some ways, as children of the diaspora, we all do. We can choose to use our language, learn how to cook our food, embrace our traditions and customs and choose to not let who we are die with our parents. And this isn't about trying to force an upbringing that I didn't have, but acknowledging and appreciating the uniqueness of my heritage and experience. My journey of self-discovery, like all of us, is never ending. And for me, a part of it is understanding who I am in relation to who they are. The journey I chose to take might not be for everyone. There is no prescription on how to navigate a heritage lost with divorce.